Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodoichin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today's guest is the British designer Anya Hindmarch. Since she launched her label over 30 years ago, it has grown to become one of the most established names in British luxury, with a focus on craftsmanship and bespoke detailing that take the products above and beyond the ever-changing winds of fashion. I visited Anya at her brand headquarters in South London, where we spoke about how her company is moving with the times, what true luxury means today, as well as some of the things that inspire her. Hello, Anya Heinmarch. Hello. Well, <laughs> welcome to the Matches Fashion Podcast. Thank you very much indeed. Now, normally we record at Five Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in Mayfair. And today we're recording at, in your, at your offices and studio in South London. And I really love the space here, which you said you've, you've just recently re- renovated, but you've got some really cool art on the walls, um, including behind me the sign that says um, creativity eats strategy <laughs> for breakfast. Eat strategy for breakfast. Made what out does, of the uh, Fashion Flakes project that we did with Kellogg's. And, I, and what's the, why have you got that on your, why does that mean so much to you? Uh, well, I think it is, um, it's important, although my, my ops team always put post-it notes on it saying, yeah, but st- so strategy delivers creativity on time, <laughs> yeah. and fair point. But I think that fashion companies start with, and creative companies start with an idea, and that's actually what drives the business and drives the the uh, the, the, the productivity, really. So um, so I, I'm, I always put creativity at the forefront of everything I do, so it's kind of just a nice reminder. And we had... Um, we had some of these empty boxes left over from some visual merchandising project we did in the stores when we did the Kellogg's collaboration, uh, which we, we called Fashion Flakes. So they were corn flakes. We, we renamed them as Fashion Flakes. And um, so we used them for that. So, yeah, it's quite quite arresting. I forget it's there, so I'm glad you've noticed that. <laughs> now, you have five things that you've um, brought with us, brought, brought with you here today that we would normally put into the cabinet, Five Carlos Place. Um, what's the first thing you'd like to talk about? Well, the first thing is a glass taxi which you can see in front of you which um, was a present from an amazing woman called Tracy. Tracy I met about five years ago and she uh, runs the um, Green Cabman Shelter um, in Warwick Avenue which is uh, one of the 13 um, cabman shelters that are left. Um, They're the most amazing little taxi huts, you've probably seen them, these green taxi huts where the um, cab drivers, black cab drivers, can go and have something to eat and have a rest and be warm um, while they wait for a, uh, a ride. And they came out of um, a, an initiative that was started in 18-something by Lord Shaftesbury and someone else, whose name I forget, um, who I think had a, had a, a taxi driver. They're, they're the exact width of the Hackney carriage um, 
the hackney carriages when they were when they had horses um, to drive them and of course people the, the the cab drivers waiting outside in the cold were quite vulnerable and so they'd often go to the to the pubs to stay warm and of course then if they drink then they you know have a risk of of, of being drinking and driving so they these were built and um, and so Tracy I always want to go into one you're not allowed to go into them and I, I managed to devise a project actually which sort of allowed me access and I got to know Tracy who's the most amazing amazing woman um, and we now every so often hold um, a breakfast uh, in this green cabman shelter for as many as we can seat in there which is about eight or nine um, of women um, mixed ages and backgrounds we've had um, you know amazing incredible award-winning um, uh, you know, journalists or um, designers or architects or, um, you know, prison governors, um, a fascinating mix of people that come in. Um, and it's always random and people have to talk about what they do and it's just, you make the most amazing friendships. So we recently actually did um, a dinner for all the people who've been to these um, these breakfasts um, and um, and Tracy afterwards she came, we made her the guest of honour um, and after she gave me the green, uh, the, the, the glass taxi um, that you can see in front of you, so it has a nice memory for that reason. And uh, we, we, we laughably, or the sort of, the, the working title for these breakfasts, um, which happened in a very sort of haphazard way, they just sort of started and kind of kept going, um, was for women I admire, which sounds a bit <laughs> stupid, but it was like literally kind of women I, you know, have a bit of a crush so on. what kind of women way. come to these? Who are the women well, you Well, so, um, you know, you might have Susie Menkes, Christian Amanpour, um, Rebecca Brooks. You might have uh, a politician or, uh, you know, the head of Westminster Council came or, um, you know, they're, they're also really a real mixture. Um, you know, Margaret Calvert, who I'll talk about later, came, who's the, the most amazing woman who who, um, who designed the all the road signs for the UK. So a real mixture of, of people. And, um, and and I call them the women I admire, which is sort of stuck now, even though it's a slightly <laughs> embarrassing title. Is that your hashtag on <laughs> well, Instagram? It or? is. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. really, I was obviously, I'm not hitting on you. Well, not yet, anyway. <laughs> but um, it is a, a group of women who, who actually are, you know, they're all accomplished and, and mainly professional women, but they are... Um, interested and they are uh, interesting and they're kind that's actually one of the sort of stipulations that they're, they're really good good women um, so it's kind of fun group actually and is that because you've got um, as a businesswoman yourself do you have, feel some sort of um, need to support other women in business or celebrate them Yes, I suppose. I mean, I'm not sort of overly, you know, frantic about, you know, women, women, women. I think mm. it gets a bit boring as well. But it's just actually just been a really nice vehicle. It just started in a very natural way and just sort of continued. And I'm quite a believer in forums for, for you know, if women want to gather and men want to gather or any other, you know, gender want to gather, great. Why not? You know, and if, if that people come out feeling better and, and share ideas or worries or concerns um, and make friends, I think that's fab. So mm. it's just, there's no, there's no agenda. Uh, it's just a really nice thing. Mm. So you founded over 30 years ago and um, it's a, an oft-told story about how you founded it when you went, I think, to Florence and found some bags that you liked and it all seemed to go pick up very quickly from there with Harper's Bazaar featuring them in their pages. Uh, and we sold a bit of it um, about six years ago and uh, me and a partner have just bought it back in its entirety, um, which is really exciting and, and it's a bit of a, a new moment actually. And um, so lots of plans and also lots of, I mean, it's, it's interesting, I think fashion, you know, with the, you know, the sort of the emergency that is this climate issue um, and with the revolution that is the digital revolution, mm -hmm. no longer the industrial revolution, but the digital revolution, actually there's a real necessity for a completely fresh look about how we 
consume and how we um, how we behave. Um, and I'm really excited actually to apply those new that new thinking, if you like, to this mm. next stage um, of, of what is a 30 year old business. You know, it's not it's not a young business anymore. Um, and I've been through so many sort of different. Um, stages and very much we've sort of I was laughing with someone yesterday saying you know it's gone from sort of you know everything was globalization it's all about globalization and you know we've had stores all over the world from you know Japan still do and Hong Kong and Malaysia and you know Singapore and states and, and all this sort of stores actually I wonder whether this next stage is about localization is actually you know sourcing more locally um, and selling more locally and distributing digitally. That's perhaps the, you know, so there's, there's, there's a lot of thinking that's going on, but it's a, it's a really exciting new phase for, for, for the company. Um, so I feel pretty energized right now. Mm. What is the second thing you wanted to speak about? Uh, so my second thing on the table um, is actually is actually a, a, a jar of, of Marmite, um, which um, was done as an advertising campaign, and instead of being called Marmite, it's called Margaret, and it has a picture of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Forgive me, okay, on this, because I know this is, but this is, she is Marmite, hence the sort of joke. What I love about this is it says at the bottom, contains iron, which <laughs> just made me smile, and um, a friend of mine, John Hegarty, who's the amazing um, advertising guru and nicest man ever, um, he did the, I think it's one of their campaigns, and I just loved it. I said, I would just really love one. Can I have it for my my, um, my shelf? And the reason being that Margaret Thatcher, actually, lover or hater, hence the, the Marmite joke, um, was someone who was quite inspiring to me, actually, when I started my business, because she very much um, spearheaded, in a way, a sort of a momentum um, of getting a lot of entrepreneurs going of sort of saying get out there start go 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 let's make it easier let's cut regulation let's um make it easier to employ people um there was when i started my business lots of businesses were started at that point matches being case in point but julia metcalf pret manger um you know uh, charles dunstan and uh, david ross with a car phone warehouse you know next was starting it was this incredible moment of or movement if you like of of, of entrepreneurs kind of just giving to go and of course one leads to three and three leads to nine and, and on it goes and so i've always been despite the you know a lot of people you know, uh, are a bit sort of so-so about Margaret Thatcher. She's always been quite incredible to me as as the first, you know, female prime minister, as a woman who made um, the word handbag into a verb, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, and so um, I'm I'm a big fan, and uh, hence this this little jar of marmite, which makes me smile every time I look at it. Your brand has often been associated with women who are in the public eye, whether it's Princess Diana um, holding your one of your clutch bags. Um, Kate Middleton, I think, has. Um, worn Anya Heinmatch bags. Um, do you believe in that celebrity machine and what it can do for a brand? You know, I'm completely disinterested in celebrity, and it's a terrible thing because I, I know it's really important to growing a, a brand. I'm that's not my. It's not the bit that is um, exciting to me. Um, I'm, I'm interested in craftsmen uh, and craftsmanship, and I think that so much chat about. Um, celebrity um and you know and listen there's some brilliant talented people don't get me wrong but but my starting point is actually the the talented people who make the beautiful things and actually when you watch someone make something it's really clever um and the love that goes into something and i love it you know when we when we actually make something and you realize how you've done it all and you've literally grind the edges and hand paint everything you put it together and you finally make it and you put it in a box and hand it to someone it's like handing over a baby you know there's a really it's something that's so precious to the craftsman and I think there's not nearly enough chat about craftsmanship and of course because people don't um, talk about it much they don't understand how long it takes they therefore don't respect things and and to the point of of you know what how are we going to solve this this environmental issue one of the factors of many is actually have less 
love it for longer, you know, get vested in how it's made and, and connecting people. In fact, when we opened our little bespoke store in Pont Street, which is pretty much, I think, where I want my ashes scattered when I die, if I can't be buried under the floorboards, which would be a bit weird. Um, but the uh, we actually put a craftsman in the store, and it was sort of a long-held sort of dream of mine to have the craftsman there so people could see things being made and connect with the craftsmanship because people are are so distant, and um, and I think it's a problem, actually. Mm. And they're missing out, more to the point. So let's talk about the products then, because, um, like you said, you've always, you, 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 the craftsmanship is so important, and it is a bit of a buzzword today and it definitely ties in with the whole environmental issue where is the um, workshop where are the materials sourced from at what point does the cross how does the craftsman touch it at which points i could be here all day on the subject (laughs) top top line (laughs) you can edit this right um top line well so it starts with obviously the raw materials so um you know we're working really hard on on the traceability and the really understanding the processes in in sourcing the raw literally the raw skins and then then there's a whole process of getting to the stage before they then get tanned and how that works um and there's so many interesting aspects to that i mean it's, it's a science it's an art um and it's fascinating. We're doing a lot of work into, you know, should we be looking at recycled leathers or, or reconstituted leathers or actually leathers that aren't leather? And it's very interesting that actually the, the, the first, we've done quite a lot of research into this, actually the, the first feedback we've got, and by the way, no one knows the answer to this at the moment. There's some really interesting uh, and a lot of work going to this. But the first results of our research is that actually the best and most sustainable um, solution to leather, you know, is if you are going to eat the meat, um, and uh, therefore the, the skin is a byproduct, and that's therefore you should use it, run through it away. Um, if it is, you know, you know that where the, the animals come from, you know that uh, it is, um, so you can sort of, you know, the traceability of the, of the direct supply chain and how it's tanned. Leather is actually an incredibly sustainable product, more so often than recycled leather, which has a whole lot of stuff in it. They often put a lot of PU in it to kind of keep it sort of together. Um, and a lot of the... Um, the, uh, the 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 sort of new versions and there's some interesting developments going, but they often, <clears throat> for example, I was looking at some leather made from apple skins, which is really interesting, but it actually doesn't last in the same way. So there's so much that we don't know yet. But actually, if we just go back to old-fashioned values, um, the way that sort of our great grandmothers would probably have have behaved, um, that that's probably the dream. I think. I mean, I'm not an expert, so I'm not sort of mm. thing. But my early research is that that's a good place mm. to start. Um, so where does craft where does craftsman touch it? So in the tanning processes, in the making process, which is fascinating for us, that's mainly in Florence, a little bit in London as well. Um, I'm working with, you know, often third generation craftspeople who are, I mean, they just, it's so talented. You have an idea, you, you've, you know, you've made a, a sort of salper, which is like a, if you like, like a toile, um, and then they will cut into the skin and, and work out how to, to make it into something beautiful that lasts and works. And they're pieces of engineering as well, if you think about it. Um, and so then it's still got to close when it's got softer and moved and is loose. And there's all these things you have to kind of factor in. Um, and then actually for us also um, into then the final uh, treatment of the, of the product, whether that is having, you know, beautiful initials put in on Swarovski stones on the front and how you apply that, or whether it's hand-weaving initials in, or all these different aspects. So it's, it's you know, we're really neck deep in craftsmanship. That's where I started when I was 18, and that's what, I, what still fascinates me. And how do you equate craftsmanship and staying true to this authentic heart of your product with um, scale and production? Well, I don't think... Um, 
you know, I don't think they have to necessarily not be friends. There's all sorts of ways of um, of, of scaling businesses. And I mean, I think sort of the whole digital distribution aspect is, is really interesting as well. Um, but, um, you know, I don't want to scale beyond, you know, we're not trying to be Louis Vuitton. We're not trying to have, you know, hundreds of stores all over the world. I want to do what we do, do beautiful things, make things that have meaning um, and, and, and make lovely stuff I'm proud of actually for me that whole you know dominate the world and 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 then it's it's not it's no longer luxury really is it I think people are a bit confused that that word is so overused and well it feels old-fashioned now doesn't it I, I think it's always felt a bit old-fashioned mm. in the I mean for me luxury is about stories so um you know my husband's grandfather had a this beautiful case I was looking at the other day um and and it's really odd because it's very very wide and I said to him why is it so wide and it's wide because he had big feet um, and so, you know, they had to fit into the case. So that's a lovely story. You know, why do I love, you know, this ring that I'm wearing today? It's because um, my children, we had to transit via Vegas for a night with the kids. We have five children. And um, the children, as a joke, booked us in to be remarried at a wedding chapel. Oh. <laughs> Unbeknownst to us. Brought everything from the flowers to the wedding dress, everything. It was hilarious. What did you and, wear? Well, a white dress I had on, luckily, on holiday, but it was, it was very funny. Is and it this, actually like it is in those TV and films? Pretty much, you literally, I mean, it's, you know, it's convertible. It was very, very fun. Actually, incredibly touching, the fact they did it. But anyway, this ring, which was $29, um, was, um, you know, is very special to me because it has a story, you know. So so that's what, that's what luxury is. It's not status. People confuse luxury and status. And I think in this, this I mean, there's so many, you know, um, new developing markets, and that's often about saying, I've made it, look at me, I've got a bag that is X. That doesn't interest me. It never has. Um, and, and I don't think it terribly interests our customers. They, our customers come to us because they actually don't want to have the same as everyone else. They want something that is more personal to them, that has a story. And um, and actually, I mean, leather goods and handbags started because it's about organisation. Um, so you know, handbag is to have what you need with you, and how does it work? Um, how does it improve your life? So that's another sort of starting point for me. So that's why I think people come to us. Mm. What else? What's the third thing for your <laughs> um, so uh, Margaret place? Calvert? Another Margaret. <laughs> It's a bit of a theme, isn't it, Margaret Thatcher, Margaret Calvert? Um, Margaret Calvert is um, a bit of a heroine of mine. I talked about it. She came to one of the, the taxi hut breakfasts. She um, is um, a woman who, with um, a, 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 a collaborator, designed all the road signs for England. And you can see uh, in my office here that there's um, there's a men at work sign, which has been um, whitewashed to actually be a woman at work. And so she's wearing the woman, the man who normally digs the, the gravel, or pulls an umbrella, depending on how you look at it, but yeah. digs the gravel, um, is actually wearing a skirt. And, and I just, my, it was a present to me for my, from, from my office. And, um, and I absolutely love it. And I love her. She's an amazing woman. So, um, so Margaret Calvert, I think is just, she's, she's, uh, she's, I think her graphics are amazing. I mean, it's such a clarity of communication. If you look at all of the road signs of, of the UK, they are works of art, actually. And we, in fact, did a whole show inspired and dedicated to her, um, which played with all the, the, the humour, actually, in and, and the graphics of, of mm. the the motorway. I think it's mainly because I have time to think when I'm driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just suddenly, this whole kind of crazy show um, came to mind. So we did a, a show um, around that. Um, and... Um, I managed to weave in a number of my passions. One is that I have an obsession, this makes me sound really weird, obsession with male voice Welsh choirs. <laughs> when you have the 80 men all standing there singing, it's sort of really visceral. And so this show that was inspired by the motorway was also an excuse for me to weave in an excuse to have this massive, I think 100 and something um, male uh, voice uh, Welsh choir um, and singing um, this really rousing um, uh piece of music which was rather lovely so that was part of the show so it ticked lots of boxes for me 
So it is so you're, if your team gave it to you, there clearly is uh, some sort of um, feminist theme or some belief in. You know, I'm not a feminist. Funny enough, I'm, I don't think I'm particularly a feminist in, in the kind of activist e or those of ists or the sort of um, you know uh, kind of. I mean, I, I feel I feel I'm really happy being a woman. I, I don't in fact, I don't want to lean in. <laughs> I I want to um, I want to be me. I want to have the same chances as as everyone. And by the way, when I talk about women and men, I don't. I have a lot of quite. Um, male girlfriends and quite female male friends and, and all flavours in between, you know, from redheads, dark skins, yellow skin. I mean, just, it's not interesting. What's interesting is, is is it fair and is it fun? But do I like being a woman? Absolutely. So I don't think I'm a feminist in that way. Am I a feminist as in do I support women having uh, the same opportunities? 100%, of course, why wouldn't anyone? Um, but um, but it just made me laugh. I think it's the humour actually in that mm-hmm. as much as anything, you know, it's sort of... And that leads, leads me neatly onto another thing I wanted to talk to you about, which was uh, humour, which is such an important and integral part, aspect to your, to what you produce. Well, I just think life's too short not to laugh, really. And I think that beautiful things are really lovely. And, and I mean, I, and I love serious things too, don't get me wrong. But anything that's just sort of achingly too serious, um, it sort of isn't enough for me in a way. I, I like that little tongue-in-cheek thing. I mean, um, uh, if I can... Can I jump to my... The last yeah. thing I was going to talk yeah, about, because yeah. it's relevant to this story. So I'm, I'm sitting looking at a, um, an envelope made out of leather, and it has a handwritten message on it. And, and it inspired um, a handwritten uh, a name and address on it. Um, and it inspired um, a whole collection um, called The Bespoke Collection, where you can actually have anything that you can handwrite or draw um, made and embossed into the leather. And you can make really, really special memories. I mean, that, that's not of a season, that's of a moment in time. You know, that's a child's writing when they're five you can't go back and write a you know write as a five-year-old you know that's that's a moment in time and um it started from actually a wallet that I made my husband uh, and actually I wrote a little secret message and embossed it into inside one of the pockets only he could see it um and so that type of humor for me humor is when it's coupled with really amazing craftsmanship is really it makes it it gives me a story I suppose going back to the stories point um more than just having a lovely wallet. Somehow it just adds a sort of a third dimension that makes it personal, makes it something you want to keep. Uh, and in fact, I was I was uh, trying to, so I'm jumping around here, but I was trying to clear out or cull my children's bedrooms the other day. And, and I was sort of going through, with their permission, I was going through, well, mostly, um, going through their um, bookshelf, kind of saying, look, are there some books here that aren't good books, that aren't special books that we can, because we, you know, we're just sort of silting up. Um, anything that had a, a dedication in the front, you just couldn't get rid of it. I mean, it's just too special. So I think that's the point of Bespoke. You make it a story. You make it your own. You make it something that you want to keep that becomes quite precious to you in a way, a bit like a talisman. Um, and so that's that's interesting. So humour for me is, is about a story. It's about making something a bit deeper, making something you want to keep. Um, and, and for me, just luxury per se is lovely luxury for status is not interesting luxury with a little twist to it in that way is 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 exciting does it translate to the international yeah because you can write in any language <laughs> in fact in we had terms one of the humor though do you find that other nationalities understand the british your the british sensibility yeah i really do actually because um 
you know, you can dial up humour as much as you want. It might just be that there's a little sort of cheeky message in something. It might be that there's a little smiley face on the, the bottom of a, you know, inside of a, of a, of a wallet. It might be that, um, so, it, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, boom, boom, ha, ha. You know, that, that would be sort of wrong. But it's just having something that is, um, that I think makes you smile. You know, so it's more that you haven't just got a beautiful thing. You look at it and you go, actually, that's, that's, there's a little extra twist to it. So, um, so yes, it does translate. And, and obviously with anything you can write, you can actually write it in, in any language. We did actually once, terrible admission, uh, we did actually emboss something to this beautiful piece of leather that was so lovely and found out we'd actually put the Arabic writing upside down. So we now, now we have an arrow. So that was uh, bad. <laughs> so you live and learn sometimes. <laughs> so you're super busy. What do you do to relax? Uh, well, it's a good question. Um, I just, there's no time <laughs> to do anything. No I get time the gym. to relax. I get, anything that doesn't involve my phone is off. That's uh, you, you realise that actually the 10 minutes in the shower is is really special and often of course and god we're all struggling with this aren't we but we're struggling with the that sense of overwhelm and actually the moment you put your phone down and for me that's kind of the shower and the gym and when i'm driving um you have the best ideas so it's really important to carve out that time creatively and you know for a whole host of reasons none of us know what this so constant true. on is doing to our brains and this constant grazing of information i often worry that i'm looking at my phone of course for me i'm dipping into a, an email in Hong Kong or one in Japan or one in design or one in accounts or one in distribution or whatever it might be and I'm sort of super busy my kids are just looking at me looking at a screen you know it's just it's the whole thing is just not you know we've, we've had this onslaught of incredible connectivity over the last 15 years and of course inevitably we've sort of over sort of you know over and in, in, in sort of indulged and we, we're now swinging back to a place perhaps where it's a bit more balanced Actually, that's a lie. I'm not, but I, I would like to. You'd like to try. Yeah. I know it's definitely a common theme among a lot of people I talk to. Do your kids, do you let your kids look at their phones? Well, it, you know, it's very hard, isn't it, when you're like, enough time on your iPad mm. when you're you know, flicking through your phone. So um, it's it's a struggle. I mean, it really is. Mm. I mean, it's, it's a, I think it's a really scary thing because it becomes their sort of dopamine release, you know, it becomes the thing that, that, that becomes their norm. And we all know that should be books or kicking a ball around in the park. So, you know, listen, every every mum, everyone's struggling with themselves. In fact, we recently did a really interesting um, uh, project, which actually brings me neatly, if I may, to, yes. to my next thing, which is my obsession with a labelling machine. It's probably one on my desk here somewhere, I can show you in a second, but there's, you know those old ones that you'd turn the dial and you'd press and they would print out and you put it on your bedroom door and say, Anya's room, keep out. And um, now they have these kind of quite whizzy ones where they're battery operated and you can kind of dial on a, on a keyboard and, and, and print one out. And I, I would happily label pretty much everything in my life, including my, my kids, I think. Um, but the, the sense of overwhelm is quite enormous. And we, we actually recently did a sort of four day deep dive into the subject of, of, of organization talking about this labelled product that we do and and sort of slightly indulging my obsession with labelling. Um, and I think we are all um, overwhelmed by the amount of incoming we have, and that's through email, text, you know, Slack, Instagram. You know, when people start asking you to dinner on Instagram, you're like, oh, that's another channel I've got to monitor. Like, Jesus, give me a break. Um, and so it's actually how to, to manage all of that and how to, you know, we weren't taught that at school. And actually we ran these really interesting workshops on on physical organisations, so actually how to cull your wardrobe and, you know, be able to get up in 10 minutes and grab what you need to wear and be organised, you know, through to actually planning your outfits, having them on your phone, so you can literally the night before kind of go, I'm going to wear that, and you know what you're going to, um, through to having navy blue and black in separate parts of your wardrobe so you don't end up walking out the door with navy shoes and black, you know, et cetera, et cetera, practical stuff. How to emotionally get rid of stuff, because people find it very difficult to, to let go. Um, 
how to organize that. Um, but also we have this amazing guy who's a digital expert on how to take all the incoming, the digital incoming, and to manage it in sort of the sort of best best practice way. So if we were learning now, I mean this came from the fact that my, my son's a lawyer and he in his first week, in his induction week, um, they were taught how to deal with your what's best practice way of dealing with the amount of emails you've got. Really? You know, one tiny tip, for example, is I forever send myself emails saying, remember to write a thank you letter. You should never send yourself an email with a to-do, with a task. You should always put it directly on your task list because otherwise you're double doing. Um, so that's a small example. But it's fascinating. And I've, I've really spent a lot of time digging into this. And, and um, I mean, I'm quite sad, really, as you can probably tell. Yeah. Well, I think everyone <laughs> is. And that's why there's been this sort of nostalgia for um, tactile and physical analog yeah. things. Yeah. What about the theory that um, smartphones are replaced it bags you know there was the it bags craze in the early 2000s which in its way which kind of represents what you were talking about earlier where that kind of that old fashioned the the an, an idea of luxury of, of, cons, of it being about consumption and status um i've spoken to people who have said that ever since the smartphone arrived people stopped being interested in having a status bag um what do you think about that uh well and I've always hated status bags. So, so, but um, interestingly, I think the smartphone has. I mean, listen. If you think we used to have photo albums, cameras, uh, money, coins, which I barely carry now, um, diaries. Uh, you know, I mean, you think what that's replaced? Some tiny devices replace all those things in your handbag. So, how cool is that for starters? I think the the phone has replaced the wallet actually mostly. Um, and we, I mean, the thing that to my point earlier about. What also interests me is making things that work. I mean, I, you know, we're busy. I want things that are lightweight. I mean, it's the ultimate luxury of phone. I'm no longer lugging all those things around. I've got it all at my fingertips, synced, backed up. If I lose it, I'm, you know, it's heaven, right? It's, it's the best thing ever. But actually, I I give a whole hand to my phone. <laughs> you know, I'm literally, I'm not, you know, you should give your hands to your children, not, not to a phone. So we've just developed this thing called Pimp Your Phone, which is basically a phone case with a chain so you can wear it um, like a handbag. It has a stick-on envelope so you can put your cards in it or a key in it. That's all you need, and it's kind of lovely. So I have my tote bag, sure, um, but I can now go out hands-free and give my hands to my kids or to, you know, a cup of coffee, whatever I might want. Um, so I think that it's evolving, and I, I was I was laughing the other day, saying I think I don't really now have a wallet. I can have that one credit card in my phone, perhaps a ten-pound note, and actually that's replaced a wallet. I think so. That's that's how we sort of perceive it, um, and it, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity for us in the way that we're all changing the way we work. Um, I don't know if it's really changed the status because in a way everyone sort of more or less has the same phone, don't they? There are flavours of so it's not it's not showing individuality, is it? In the same way that I think fashion does. I mean, I think the thing about fashion and what has always interested me in fashion because I'm not a frilly fashion person, but is the fact that it's about it's about self-expression and that's really interesting and and it also it's about confidence you know fashion is about when you put on a great pair of shoes or have a beautiful handbag or put on that jacket that makes you feel great like the one you're wearing today um, you walk out a little bit taller you look people in the eye you feel great and that is really winning um, and that's what's interesting I think um, about fashion that's great have we spoken about everything all the things you uh, yes you know we sort of have interestingly uh, in a very neat way. Yeah, well, I you introduced them all. Yeah, you did. <laughs> very organised. I'm glad like we're good your, this morning. On one of your bags. All right. Well, Anya Hindmarch, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. <laughs> thank you. It's been great. That was an episode of the Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man, and the hashtag 5CarlosPlace. Thanks for listening.